Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, and unlimited entertainment. On today's show, we have Pixar taking on puberty with Turning Red. We have Ryan Reynolds taking on fatherhood with The Atom Project. And we have Mustaches taking on Gal Gadot in Death of the Nile. I am your host, Jamie, and here with me is your host, Alin. How are you, Alin? Good. I'm doing very well. How about you? Doing all right. Spring break is coming. It's coming. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's not here yet, though. <laughs> soon. Yeah, soon. Um, so we got a good one today, and this is the uh, official, unofficial start of season two. And do you know how I know that? <laughs> it, is, it is very funny how we got a reminder about yes. how... And if I, if you want to share that. Yes, yes. I got a reminder that this is season two because I now know that we've officially had our RSS um, hosting website for a year. And I know that because I got charged again. For it. <laughs> so if so we're, we're very close. We're very close to a year. Yeah. If we haven't yeah. surpassed it. It's crazy that we've been doing this for a year. I I'm, can't believe it. It doesn't seem like it. No, no, it doesn't. I mean... But, I mean, what are we up to now? This is our 25th episode. You know, I'm not good. you know I'm not good with math. So. Oh, no, either I don't teach math. <laughs> and it's funny because I teach business and I actively avoid econ. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like, like a huge part of business. I'm like, well, no, I'm not doing I, it. <laughs> I, I glaze over. Like, I, I went out to dinner a couple of nights ago. And for whatever reason, people gave me the check. To figure out how much people owe and it's like do you know who you're handing this to right. like we're gonna we're gonna be here for another three hours let me bust point. out my graphing calculator. i know i'm like oh i don't know and I, I i don't think that we tipped well and that's like a that's because of me doing math oh so and i feel thing that will eat at you later yeah it's really bothering me it's really yeah. bothering me so i feel bad so i'll have to go back and then tip really well there you go yeah, that'll even out the universe. Exactly. So a couple of things before we get going. Um, first, I've got a couple corrections. So um, from our last episode. And the first correction was that when I was like super, um, I was super fired up and I was talking about uh, Guillermo del Toro. I think I accidentally said that um, James Joyce wrote Turn of the Screw and not Henry James. So, I mean, I was really oh. fired up. Probably Ooh. the only person who would notice that would be me. But just yeah. in case. Upon a re-listen, you're like, stupid Jamie, yeah, come I on, know. get right, it together. How long have you been teaching English? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, also, we were going through all of the Batman of our lifetimes, and we missed yes. a Batman. Yes. And I was informed of this. Would you like to? Would you like to correct the Batman that we missed? I feel horrible about this because he is a quote-unquote hometown hero, one could say. Uh, Mr. Ben Affleck, aka Batfleck, Batfleck, and because he listens to the show, of congrats- course, just like everyone else, right? Congratulations on your engagement to Jennifer Lopez. Oh, uh, cool. yeah, they got they got to back together after being apart 17 years. That's super weird. So, and I think with this engagement, with this engagement, Jennifer Lopez completes her Thanos glove. She's been engaged six times. Mm. I, think, I think, was it six stones, infinity stones? Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. So is it five or six infinity stones? Five. Five, 
five. five. All right. She'll, she already, yeah, she already, she has yeah. an extra, she has an extra to spare. At this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can always have another, <laughs> you know, you can't, Why have not? Enough, you can't have enough infinity stones. Really? So. You can't. Um, also, now that we've gone through our corrections, we have our first unofficial sponsor, which is super cool. Correct. Yeah. And um, our first unofficial sponsor, this came about because um, I had to have some work done on my car. And we actually have a mechanic that is probably the best mechanic in the world. And I he say is. that because I know that a lot of people like going to the mechanic is sort of uh, is very stressful. And you always just assume mm-hmm. you're going to get ripped off or, you know, something you're, you're going to go in and say, oh, I need this you know, light repaired and you're going to walk out with new brakes or something. You know what I mean? Like there's always this sort of anxiety involved. And I will have to say that I never have any of that anxiety with, with our mechanic. And I know that not everyone lives in the Bay area, but, um, who listens to this, you know, cause we've got millions of listeners all over the world. Um, the world. Yes. You know, as far <laughs> away as Australia. So I was say, um, <laughs> ev- every, every continent we have covered. Yes, including even Antarctica. Exactly. I think the penguins are real big fans. So oh, yeah. um, anyway, I know that not every one of our listeners lives in the Bay Area of California, but if you do happen to be in this general area, Alvin's Auto in Milpitas, California, they're amazing. And they really did me a solid when I had to have my car done. And they're just genuinely nice and very honest and they will tell you if you need something or if you don't and they're they always call and like just make sure it's okay like they never do anything without calling first and being like are you sure this is okay this is the cause you know and they're just they genuinely seem to understand that we're all broke yes. Uh, so <laughs> I will say that I've never had a bad experience there. And um, also the manager at Alvin's Auto, his name is Mike. Hi, Mike. He listens to the podcast and he loves us and he's such a sweet guy. So I did want to say hi, Mike, and give a shout out to Alvin's Auto in Milpitas, our first unofficial official sponsor. So thank you. That's awesome. Yes. I I hate going like I have a lease and I still hate going. Right. And and a lot of your stuff is covered under the lease, right? Exactly. But it's, you know, you get there and they're like, oh, you should really add this oil instead of that oil. It's like, dude, I like I drive maybe like 100 miles in a month. I'm not like going (laughs) It's like calm down. I'm not really, you know, concerned. I'm not not, like street racing or anything like that. I could. Yeah. Well, not, not, you know, not since the incident a few years ago. Right. Um, right. We yeah. won't talk about that. Yeah. No, no. Like, Did they cover talk- when the like moles chewed through your engine? No. Oh, well, see, there you go. Yeah, exactly. And then I kind of threw a fit, not a fit, but like, well, a, you sh- I would have, I mean, I, I- like my passive aggressive sort of, this is why I lease cars. I don't want to deal with these type of problems. And I ended up getting a new car. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. They were like, here, here's, I mean, it's like, you know. Obviously, hey, the squeaky wheel gets the yeah, new car. You know? I was very upset. And I was very yeah. upset because my insurance company didn't want to cover it because they're like, it's an act of God. And I didn't know. It's not an book- act of God. It's an no. act of mouse. Yeah, exactly. I was not aware that mouse, m- mice are God. But, yeah. you know. So. Let's take this up with the Catholic Church. I'm sure that they would have a very strong opinion. <laughs> wow. So. Anyway. So, yeah. I feel I feel good about that. My first... um pitch for for a a sponsor that's awesome yeah super fun all right so um want to get into our little threes here 
Let's do it. Okay, so we have another potentially new bit um, that I, I, I kind of think this one's going to stick. And the best name that I could come up with for it was the Random Netflix Roundup. So that, that actually might change because it might actually involve more than Netflix later. But the idea behind this was there is a lot of stuff on Netflix. And, and they're always dropping new stuff. And I don't think they do a really good job of having, say, an organized place where you can go and read and look at and watch trailers for all of the new stuff that comes out on any given week. Like there should be a whole website that's like new to Netflix.com or something. And every week it updates and you can read descriptions of stuff and watch trailers and, you know, see what you want to see. None of that actually exists. It's kind of all up to you. And I think a lot of stuff gets missed in the shuffle. Mm. So my idea was that you and I could watch some random stuff and then kind of give it a thumbs up or thumbs down, watch this, you know, or skip it, you know, kind of a thing. And so we're going to start this and see how it goes. And for our first random Netflix roundup, you watch something called Inventing Anna, and I watched Archive 81, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, so tell us about Inventing Anna, or is it Anna? Is it Anna? You know what? It, it depends on the day, because she's a scam artist. So, <laughs> and it could be know, an A for all it, we know on a Wednesday. It depends, <laughs> it depends on what she's feeling. Um, so okay. inventing Anna is based on a real life situation. She is a scam artist. Um, I believe she is out of jail at this point. Here we she go. she um, it's Anna Delvey, or you know, depending on which particular last name she was using, but she pretended to be in a German heiress. Do those things even exist? I did not think so. But... I mean, it sounds nice, but it sounds fake. Yeah. So it's like, depending on who she was with, she was either Anna Delvey or Anna Sorokin. And she's played by the wonderful Julia Garner, who is also on Ozark. And she's amazing on this. Um, but I mean, it is also created by Shonda Rhimes, who... You know, if you watch Scandal or if you've caught a glimpse of Grey's Anatomy, it's been on a century. Um, you know, this is this is from her mind. But it's really good. It has um, Anna Klumsky, who you may remember, even though she's like our age. Uh, she was Veda Sultanfuss in mm -hmm. My Girl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, amazing. That movie is still traumatic for me. It's very, very traumatic. Mm-hmm. You thought it was going to be bad just because, oh, it takes place in a funeral home. So you think that's going to be the worst thing. But no. it's not. It's My not. My God, no. No. Oh, I was afraid of bees for years. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> when, I got, when I got stung by a bee, I was, like, ready for it. Like, I'm like, okay. I, I had a good run. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to end up like Thomas J. Um, but anyway, so she's, like, this scam artist. She's always, like... Oh, you know, um, she's the money's coming in from my father. I have a trust fund. Hold on, it's fi it's fine. And she literally just scammed her way through like the New York elite. And it's kind of like you feel bad for these people, but then on the other hand, you feel bad for rich people who got scammed. Like they're not really out of a lot of money. You know what I mean? So this was like a Robin Hood kind of thing. It was except the poor was just herself. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, I mean, she would use uh, like fake credit cards, fake bank statements. 
she would like stay in hotels and she's like, oh, no, that credit card doesn't work. Oh, OK, let me get you this one. Oh, that one's not working. Hold on. I'll get you a wire transfer tomorrow. She never got the wire transfer. But I, at the end of the day, she was found guilty of like, you know, grand larceny. She stole a lot of money from people. Um, and I don't know if you feel bad about this. No, I don't really. Um, but she has to pay back. She has to pay restitution to her victims. So she did receive, and this is the one thing that bothers me. She received a lot of money for Netflix for the rights <laughs> for this That's story. Hilarious. <laughs> so, and like she gets none of it because she has to pay restitution. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah, I don't agree with that either. Because then the the money's just going straight back to the rich people, basically. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> um, I don't know how oh, I feel about funny. this. I mean, is it the greatest show I've watched? No, but it's definitely, and I haven't watched the other, um, our, our, the, there's a lot of scam artists out there. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes, uh, her show played by where Amanda Seyfried plays her on Hulu, where she scammed millionaires as well into investing into Theranos. So, but from what I hear, Inventing Anna is more playful. Mm-hmm. The, the music is better. It Like all Netflix shows, it suffers from the, it goes on for an episode or two longer than it needs to. Yeah. And these are like solid episodes. You know, sometimes we get like a half hour, 45 minute one slipped in occasionally. Yeah doesn't happen here yeah so i mean i would give it a watch don't have like super high expectations um but it has a really great cast solid cast um an interesting story and you're just kind of watching it oh if anyone is interested there's a small cameo by an actor who plays um the guy (laughs) who scammed everybody out of the fire the fire festival because they were oh, friends. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So it's like, oh, wait a second. That guy's also scamming people in real time. Wow. So just a bunch of scammers. It was very a, scammy. Yeah, very scammy. And I didn't feel bad about these people getting scammed. Okay. So, so worth watching, do you think? I would, you know, I wouldn't put it like at the top of the queue, but like add it. See when you're in the mood for it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I watched a sort of horror kind of fantasy kind of show called Archive 81, which you informed me was supposed to be based on Dante's Inferno. And I called BS on that. I definitely (laughs) do. It is not. You're like, no. And I I like sent you I sent you an article I read. and You're like, no. I'm like, all right. All right. (laughs) And it's funny, too, because the article was so bad. It was like. The reason why we know this is based on Dante's Inferno is because the main character is named Dan T. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me right now? And then the the author of the article was like, both Dan and Dante go on a journey. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, and then the article was like, there are references to hell. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's references to hell in Lucifer. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's not Dante's Inferno. If you want to watch something that's loosely based on Dante's Inferno and actually does it well, I would go with As Above, So Below. This is its own thing. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. I actually kind of really enjoyed this. I didn't have any issue with it. Um, it's basically this guy who restores 
old damaged videotape, audio tape, stuff like that. And he's given a bunch of tape that's been damaged by fire. And he starts, you know, restoring these tapes. And he obviously doesn't know which order they're in. So you get a lot of this stuff kind of out of order. Mm -hmm. But as he's restoring the tapes, uh, the audience kind of gets flashbacks of what he's restoring. So like as he's restoring, we see those scenes in real time. And they're about this woman who's doing um, a supposed like PhD project on this old apartment building in New York, which sounds like a really bizarre PhD project. And the reason for that is because that's not really what she's doing. (laughs) She's basically looking for her birth mother. She's adopted and she's trying to find her birth mother. And she's doing that under the guise of some historical project on this old building in New York. So it turns out this old building in New York also has a weird cult in it. And then things just kind of go from there. Um, You know from the very beginning that the building burned down and we don't really know what happened to this this girl um, who was, you know, doing her her project. Um, We're not really sure what happened to her. I think her name was Melody. Um, You know, I watched this a little while back, so I'm starting to forget some of the names, but. It is. Um, it's Melody Pendris, which sounds yes, like okay. such a fake name. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, and and I don't know, like the the person who was writing this article about the comparisons with Dante's Inferno kept bringing up these names as if they kind of meant something. Like, there's a guy named Virgil in the show. The problem was the guy named Virgil in the show is not a good character. And in the book, Dante's Inferno, Virgil was a very good character. Um, So that was kind of like you obviously didn't read Dante's Inferno. You just I don't know. Anyway, you're just using names. I was going to say uh, like flip through the cliff notes. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Virgil was Dante's hero, so he would not have made Virgil evil. So anyway, Dante's Inferno stuff aside, Taken on its own, Archive 81 is actually pretty fun. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I don't really want to say too much about it because it's a mystery. And you're kind of unraveling what happened to Melody and also what's happening to Dan as he's, you know, figuring out Melody's story. There's a lot of time travel jumping back and forth in time. There's a lot of characters who aren't what they seem. Um, I really liked uh, Dan's best friend. I think his name was Mark. He was yes. he was fun. He was a good character. He also had a cool podcast, which, you know, I could appreciate for some reason. Not really sure why. And um, the un- one thing that I thought was kind of funny was when I finished, I'm going to try to be vague about this, when I finished Archive 81, I was like, okay, cool. That was a neat ending. I like it. We're done. And then like two days later, you sent me this article and you were like, oh no, Archive 81 was canceled. I'm like, what do you mean it was canceled? It's done. It ended. It had an ending. And you were and like, apparently I was the only one in the world who actually viewed the end of that as an end. And everybody else just viewed it as a horrible cliffhanger. And I was like, oh, I, I, I thought it was over. <laughs> I th- So I'm not going to ruin anything, but I thought like, you know. Something would happen with Dan in continuing, or is he just gonna? Right, I I was just like, wow, okay, cool, nice ending, you know, I I I appreciate this this ending, and uh, and then turns out I was the only one. So um, I will say this, it has a not happy ending. I mean, mm. I actually thought it was a happy ending. I told you why I thought it was a happy right. ending. Right. Um, but I guess everybody else thought it was not and thus that they needed a second season. So, if you are the type of person who likes unhappy endings and stuff, <laughs> and you're okay if those unhappy endings are not necessarily resolved, but that person is just screwed, 
maybe? I mean, I don't think so, but, you know, I guess that was the general feeling. Um, then you might like this, but just be prepared for that kind of weird ending that nothing more is going to come. From my opinion, you don't need any more. It ends. Uh, but, but yeah, I guess I'm the only one who thought that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all done. But, you know, it's kind of one of these um, jumping off points because the actor who plays Dan T, and I'm going to butcher his name. Oh, uh, I, know. I I avoided it on purpose. Yeah. But, yeah. Like Mamadou. I'm going to say Mamadou Athi. He's in yes. the new Jurassic um, World Oh, no movie. way. Yeah, that's coming out in June. So it's something, you know. I had this- no issue with him. I thought he did a fine job in that. And I liked the actress who played Melody as well. I thought she did a fine job, too. Yes. So, yeah. And she she um, she um was in a couple episodes of Homeland. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't recognize ago. anyone from this show. I was, I was, these were all new people to me, but they, nothing, nobody bothered me. They were all good. Well, his friend um, uh, was played by the actor Matt McGorry, and he was in Orange is the New Black. Oh, see, I Netflix. also did not see that. Yeah. But I do like how Netflix just rehires the same people over and over again. It is. It's like, hey, so we know that show ended. Would you like to come over here? And he's like, yeah. okay, sure. It's kind of like how whenever Netflix does a game show, all of the judges are from other Netflix shows, which exactly. I think is hilarious. It's like somebody ran down a hallway and just pulled people out of other, you know, sound stages and was like, come eat cake, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of that, and I haven't watched it, but it's in the top 10 and has been for a while. Have you watched that Is It Cake? Yes, I just show? started it yesterday. I will say it's okay. I don't like okay. the host. Um, yeah, he's I, on Saturday Night Live, and he is not my favorite. Yeah, he he comes across as the type of person who needs the show to be all about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the guy who does, like, Sugar Rush, and he's done a bunch of other – I can't remember his name right now. But he's very – he's very kind. Um, uh, I'll have to look him up. But he's done a few other um, uh, shows on Netflix, and he, he, he was always – yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the guy who does magic for humans. Um, but he, I, I like him a lot, and I wish they had gotten him back to do it. Oh. But, but this guy is real irritating. Um, and the whole premise behind the show is you have like something like say a cheeseburger, and somebody makes a cake that looks like a cheeseburger, and then they put four cheeseburgers with it, like real cheeseburgers, and then they stand people up about 20 feet away and ask them to guess which one is the cake. I don't know. (laughs) It's a little bit of a bizarre premise for the show. And what was funny is as I was watching it, I was talking to my husband and I was like, you know what? I would change all the rules on this and here's how I would change it. Because the flavor of the cake and the taste of the cake seems to have no relevancy on who wins what. So I instantly would have changed that and said, you know, and done some done something where actually eating the cake made it work. You know, if you had a gross cheeseburger cake, you didn't win. You know what I mean? Like, because the way it is right now, you could have had, you know, like a bleach flavored cake and it would be fine. Like, <laughs> you could still win. So I don't know. I don't appreciate that. But it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, we got just, way off topic. No, I was going to say, I've just seen things about it. And I guess like. I guess if you were really up close, you'd probably be able to figure out. Which easily. Is. <laughs> yeah. Easily. That's why they got to put everybody 20 feet away. And you see them like leaning over the podium trying to like, you know, zoom in on it, you know. So I don't know. It's all right. Well, moving on to number yes. two 
of our of our of our little three as oh, we're wow. 25 minutes in, you know. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so this one, I, I simply called it Stay Strong Moon Knight. Um, and the main reason for that is there's been two episodes of Moon Knight. And I want to stress that this is not a review. Um, we will probably review Moon Knight later. But I will say I'm very much enjoying Moon Knight. But two episodes in, they can't seem to get an episode off without a scandal. So <laughs> the first episode, um, they had a sort of a vague mention and this literally happened in about half a second but they had a vague mention of the armenian genocide and that triggered a firestorm of review bombing because apparently this day and age if your country commits a a horrible unspeakable crime the best way to handle that is to just deny it ever happened oh no it never happened it did not ever happen apparently that's just the way we handle things thereby ensuring that we learn absolutely nothing and are guaranteed to repeat those same mistakes in the future. So the Armenian genocide, apparently one of the most well-documented genocides in the history of our world, aside from maybe the Holocaust, um, never happened. And thus, when Moon Knight mentioned it, there was a firestorm of review review bombing. Um, and, and I guess it was sitting at a very low number on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes for a while. I don't know if that's still the case, but because, because of that half second mention. Yeah. Which I didn't even pick up on. And you know, I just, that just flew right over my head too. And then when I had mentioned the scandal to you, you were like, what scandal? I know. I'm like, what, what? Like I, I, maybe it's because like, it's just like Oscar Isaac and it's like, I have starry eyes as I'm watching like him do what he does. Like he can do no wrong. Exactly. I'm just like, Oh yeah. Every scene I'm like, Oh, Steven, you're such a lovable little scamp. Oh, Mark. Okay, then. <laughs> You're like, all right, all right. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, I I, I didn't pick up on it. Um, It's at 86 right now. 86 okay. for critics and 94 for audience. Okay, score. so we've we've managed to, like, maybe... Recover. Balance. The, the scales have balanced. That's what I did there. so okay. funny. I know. <laughs> I have such a clever... Anyway... So then the second episode of Moon Knight comes out and um and I guess we have to sort of feel bad for um Ethan Hawke because everything that happens here seems to involve his character but he was the one in the first episode um his character's name is Harrow um uh he was the one in the first episode who mentioned the genocide and then in the second episode has about a 3 second scene speaking Mandarin and apparently the Mandarin was gibberish and um, uh, Shang-Chi and a bunch of other people kind of, uh, you know, chimed in and was like, hello, I, I work for Marvel and I speak Mandarin. I, I might have been able to help with this. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> it sounded like you wrote some lines in English, ran them through Google Translate and had everyone speak them as best they could without a single, you know, minute of coaching or or anything like that. And so a bunch of people were sort of upset that they, you know, this is a co- like a very wealthy, very large corporation who could have easily found someone who spoke Mandarin to come in and and at least just like run these lines by this person and make sure they sounded okay. And I guess none of that happened. Um, and so people were kind of upset about that. Um, any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, once again, 
things that I don't even pick up on. Yeah, neither of us speaks Mandarin. So I was just like, great, Mandarin, sure. I'm sure they're speaking about things, you know. Yeah, I mean, and even when I hear Spanish, I can only pick out a few words, despite like having 10 years of education. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Isn't that awful? And it's horrible. It's horrible. But yeah, I didn't pick up on it. I mean, should they? I mean, it wasn't really necessary to the scene. It's kind of one of those things where, like, if you're not sure, just take it out. Yeah, you you know what? That's a great point. I actually tell my students that all the time. If they're not sure if something is grammatically correct, just change the whole sentence, right? It's better to change the whole sentence to something you know is correct than leave a sentence that you're not sure is correct in there and risk being wrong and look like an idiot. And this is what exactly happened. If you didn't know if the Mandarin was right, just take it out. You didn't need it. Or pick a different language. He could have made the same point speaking Spanish or French or German, you know. I'm sure you got somebody on set who speaks a second language other oh, than yeah. English. Yeah, I mean, just pick a different language, right? It's just like, here, I'm going to kick a soccer ball and start off a firestorm of controversy. So, Moon Knight Episode 3 is coming out. <laughs> I'm wondering what, what will Ethan Hawke do this week? I know, right? Poor guy. He's just um, probably like, I'm trying to be cool for my kids. Like, you right, know, exactly. you know, they're know. older. Trying, you know, he's like. Yeah. I mean, he is he is an interesting character. We're not going to talk is. about it, but it's you know, it's it, it's a different type of role, and um, very enjoyable watching oh, yeah. him in this role. Yeah. But yeah, he's just like, man, I don't act a lot. Okay, yeah. like I don't act that much. And then when I do, you're just yelling at me, internet, all the time. Yeah. And uh, weirdly, I don't think he's taken the brunt of any of this. You know, it's been more directed at the studio for, like, writing it this way or including these scenes and, like, sort of forcing their actors into it. I haven't heard a single bad thing about Ethan Hawke here. So I guess that's good. So Very protective of, like, my my first, like, 90s crush, you know. Hey, fair enough. I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Marvel, Marvel, last Marvel. but not least, um, I have this article about all of the, uh, you know, the Marvel stuff that's sort of coming out. And um, we're in for, you know, quite a ride if you're um, a Marvel fan. Uh, the the article that I have talks about 24 titles in the works for 2022 and beyond. And yeah, wow. I know it's 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 got quite a bit of stuff. So, I mean, Moon Knight was the one that they listed first, and that one's obviously coming on um, coming out right now and only six episodes, I think, sadly. So, yes, yes. Um, but after that, uh, May 6th, we get Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And then June 8th is Miss Marvel. And then July 8th is Thor Love and Thunder. And then November, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And apparently also this year, She-Hulk is coming out. Oh. oh, and we have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which James Gunn has is said is one of the best things he's ever made. Wow. Yeah, I know. Erasing those two years of non-activity with the exception of Black Widow. Which one in Shang-Chi. Yeah. And the Eternals, I guess that was sort oh, of the beginning yeah. of the new phase here, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm excited. I know some people think that this is overkill. Your thoughts on that? It's a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I have I've talked to people who have just given up 
because oh really yeah so it is happening it is because it's like a relentless sort of pace and you don't get a break because you have to watch the television shows mm-hmm. at the same time and we still haven't really seen if and when the television shows are going to impact i think we're going to see that with um the multiverse of madness considering that wanda is is in it that's like and our first chance to see how they intertwine exactly. the TV and the movies. Yeah. So I mean that will be wondering, but I do. I, yeah, I've I've talked to people and they they love the movies, but they're just like it's so much. Mm-hmm. And I can see that. I can yeah. see it. Yeah. I mean it's unfortunate because I haven't hit that point yet, but I can understand if you have. Right. Exactly. Like I'm I'm still enjoying it. But there is, there's so much out there and it's, it's overwhelming because of the number of television shows that just exist. And then you add the Marvel shows. I mean, I'm still struggling to get through stuff on Netflix. It's been out for a month. Right. I know my Netflix queue is huge right now. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I, you know, I get follow-up questions from friends and I'm like, no, I haven't watched it yet. Don't yell at me. I'm trying. Here's the thing. If we could get somebody to pay us to do this, I would watch everything. Exactly. And you know what? I'm sorry. I've had books on hold at the library. They've come through. I have to read them. I have like a deadline or it goes away. Mm. So that's my Mm -hmm. problem. I read. Is it a problem that I read too much? I don't think so. But no. Nah. So. And I mean, that's coming from someone who's in their 16th year teaching English. But nah, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so um, hopefully we'll get like some really, really good Marvel stuff. Some like standout, you know, kind of Spider-Man No Way Home level events so that, you know, people can get back in. But I do understand if you're experiencing being a bit of whiplash right now. Yeah. All right, so um, let's move on to our big three, and uh, we'll go to another Disney property, um, Pixar. And uh, this is Pixar's take on puberty. It's called Turning Red. And the funny thing was, is when I heard the title and I saw the big red panda, I literally, the first thing I said is, is this about a young girl getting her period? Is this like a period metaphor? Turns out, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. Um, this, this movie is, it is about a young girl who, when she gets her puberty period hormone change, I don't, I honestly don't know what exactly physically happened to her to cause this, but she becomes a red panda because, um, something, something mythology, my family, red pandas, women, something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like a, it's like a birthright for all of the the women in the family at a certain age and they all get it. Yes. In different sort of, I guess, levels of severity. Yes. Like her, I don't want to give away too much, but her mom is like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it was a, um, there's a ceremony that has to be performed to, to take it away. Right. And to like essentially hold the panda. Yes, they trap it in a piece of jewelry, essentially. Yes. And then you wear this jewelry for the rest of your life. And it it see, here's where I didn't I wasn't too pleased with this, is that the implication is is like 
the panda comes out when you get emotional. And so the implication seems to be that women aren't allowed to have emotions. You have to lock, physically lock them away. Yeah. No, I didn't think that heavily about it, but... Yeah, I don't know. This this movie was a little bit triggery for me. I'm not going to lie, because I I I don't want to get, like, too TMI, but um, I experienced puberty stuff very early in life. Um, I was 12. Mm. And, um, it was, it was not a happy time. And this had a lot of stuff in it that I actually remember going through when I was young. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh, I feel that. I feel, feel that my soul. Oh God, it's hurting me. <laughs> I, I actually had to watch this movie in three sections. Like, I couldn't get oh, I, I was going to say, it's not, it's not a tremendously long movie. No, it took me three days. <laughs> And I think, and I'm not sure why, but I did enjoy the choice to have it set in like the 2000s and also in Toronto for Yeah, that was different. Reason. Yeah. I mean, so it did sort of harken back to the days and we've all experienced them, you know, with there's always a boy band, no matter oh, what yeah. decade it yeah, is. Yeah. That was cute. Also, I really enjoyed all of her friends. They were all yes. amazing. But it also kind of made me a little sad because when I was that age, I didn't really have any friends. And I was like, look at all these wonderful friends she has. My gosh, I wish I had friends when I I was like, oh, God, I'm so lame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's like such an awkward time. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of bullying. I mean, I don't know if you went through it, but I I went through a lot of bullying when I was that age. Yeah, I did, too. And so I didn't really have a lot of friends. I had a lot of bullies, but I didn't really have a lot of friends. And I was going to say, like, one of my bullies actually lives down the street from me. And um, it's like, I'm like, I wonder if she remembers what she did to me, because I remember. Oh, I'm I sure still she remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure she like does not. She, I'm sure she wouldn't even recognize you. And that would sting just as much, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, because I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um. But yeah, I mean, this this movie, I have to give it props, even if it's certainly not my favorite Pixar movie, because first of all, it treads into a topic that I would never have thought Pixar would tread into. No, no. And I got to give it credit for that. Also, I don't know if you picked up on this, but there was like an abortion joke at the very end where she oh. says, my panda, my choice. And I was like, oh, did she really just say that? Did she what? get away with that? Like, <laughs> at the very like- end. Disney's like, wait a second. Like, how did that go over their heads, you know? But um, I had to give them a lot of credit for how far over the line I kind of thought they went. I also feel like this would be an amazing movie to show a 13-year-old girl, like to have a mom and a 13-year-old girl, like watch this together. I feel like that would be an amazing experience that not a lot of girls get to experience. You know, this kind of, wow, I relate to this so intimately right now, you know? Right. Um, so there was some stuff about it that I really, really enjoyed. Like I said, I didn't like the metaphor of lock your emotions away kind of thing. And I think it would have, I think I would have been okay with it if at the end, all the women, uh, I'm going to spoil this a little bit, but if they decided to keep the panda, you know Mm. what I mean? But they make a choice to give it up. And I didn't really agree with that. I guess it's your panda, your choice, but, you know, because the panda is so linked to your emotional, your emotional state, this idea that you have to lock that away and you have to give that up. I just, 
I don't know. I had a big well, problem. With- it could be also like it could be generational because if you look at all of the the quote unquote aunties, m- maybe they didn't have that that particular choice. So and you're is, saying that in the future it will change. Yeah, so like we have like the first stepping stone here where she's like, yeah, this is me. I mm-hmm. don't have to hide who I am. Maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago when you experienced this, you did. So maybe it's kind of like that, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. Exactly. Kind of like, yeah, well, like we don't have to do that. I don't have to live my life that way. Mm hmm. Just because you did it and you think it's right doesn't mean I have to follow in your footsteps. Yeah. So I I accept that interpretation. And I also I just want to say I really like these new um, I like these new movies that the no bad guy movie. I was just reading. about. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, too. Like they did the same thing with Encanto. And it was just like there wasn't like a very traditional good guy, bad guy structure. It's more about the actual conflicts and the actual, you know, um, troubles that you will experience in real life, trouble with your identity, with yourself, with growing up, with your family, you know, like things like that. That's all very realistic. And even if they add these fantasy elements to it, like the panda and the house, the the traditional storytelling is is evolving. And I think it's really, really good. No, I like I completely agree because I feel like watching the past couple films and I think I, I um, don't want to misstep, but I feel like it kind of started with Inside Out. And I know that's a longer time that's been out. I feel like the first little bits of it were in Frozen, even though there was a oh. traditional good guy, bad guy structure there. There was also the sister sister relationship that was the more traditional conflict of that movie. Yeah, no, I can see that, yeah. And then they kind of said, wow, this was really successful. Let's evolve and run with it. And and I think it's good that we're, like, having these these movies about self-acceptance and almost having, you know, working, looking at what has been done in your family, overcoming those sort of emotions and trying to just, you know, say I'm I'm OK with this or I'm not OK with this. And it's almost as I- expressing your emotions like sometimes that y- you express your emotions. People aren't going to like it, but it's better for you. And sometimes you have to disobey your family. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I like it like we were talking about, you know, our our Disney movies. I mean, we had like The Lion King and Aladdin and. The Little Mermaid, which is like so honestly, problematic. Oh my god! Like I'm just like what? Um, and then when you read that Ariel's supposed to be 14, it's like wait, wait, what? Yeah, it's I'm teaching Romeo and Juliet right now at the school, and when I told tell the kids that Juliet is 13, they they all lose their minds. <laughs> oh, it's still it's still shocking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like the I like the fact that. Depending on where you fall on the political spectrum, these movies are problematic because, oh, no, let's not have women grow up and <laughs> be in charge of their own bodies and be in charge of their own destiny. Um, right. I like I like that. It's like, hey, we're going to give you a little bit of a, a a boost like this is you can be confident. You can go out into the world. You can say things and, you know, your family is going to love and support you. And you might make some mistakes, but that's fine. That's normal. Right, right. So 
I, I yeah. mean, I didn't like, so I guess I should say I liked the movie. I didn't love the movie, but I like the messages from the film more than the actual execution. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I also feel like you and I aren't really the core demo here. Exactly. And that <laughs> other people are going to get a lot more out of it than, than we would in terms of enjoyment. And, you know, we're just kind of looking at the message and the design and, and, you know, we can appreciate the structure and the concept and stuff, but um, I think a, a 13 year old girl watching this with her mom is going to get a lot more enjoyment out of it than we did. But and, that's and also, yeah, that's fine. And also the songs were very catchy. Um, of course, they were written by Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas. Um, but the the little boy band songs, they were catchy. I yeah, would have been cute. into it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. All right. So moving on, let's talk about Ryan Reynolds. <gasps> I just love him. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I really do. Like, we're talking, like, deep cut. Like, I used to watch him on Two Guys, A Girl, and A Pizza Place, which I'm yeah. sure, yeah, like, this is how long I have loved him. And hey, you know what? I can appreciate that because I have probably loved Bruce Campbell just that long, and I can trace him all the way back to The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh, I remember that TV show. Yeah, and when he was on Xena and Hercules. So I can play this game, too. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it was nice to see him in a movie where there's some heart to it. Yeah, this was a little bit different. I mean, I've heard people complain in the past that Ryan Reynolds has like a style and every movie that he's in sort of plays on this same style. And we um, I've actually watched a fair amount of Ryan Reynolds recently. And we saw that it was like Red Notice movie, I think. And then I've watched uh, Free Guy. um, And I can I can I can attest that there is a there is a there's a Ryan Reynolds style, if you will. Yeah. And that can get exhausting depending on how you feel about him. And I feel like the style was downplayed a bit in The Adam Project. And I think it was for the better. I think the movie was better because of the way it was a little bit of a different Ryan Reynolds style. Right. And I mean, the the actor who played the younger Adam, the my kiddo. goodness. Yeah, he was real. like he captured... I know. I can imagine this kid just watching every movie Ryan Reynolds has ever been in and being like, I got this. Yeah. Like even like the, just like the facial expressions, the delivery yeah. of certain things. Of course, there's some uh, little Easter eggs hidden in there, too, where, yeah. he, you know, because we like to tear down. That's another thing about Ryan Reynolds is he likes to tear down the fourth wall when mm-hmm. he does a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of, you know, little winks and nods to other projects. Um, the but lightsaber reference was my favorite I know it's not really a Ryan Reynolds thing but that was my favorite it it was just yeah I mean the whole thing it It was was a very it was a very big production I feel like this movie could have been in the theaters yes yes and I mean look at the cast you know Ryan Reynolds Mark Ruffalo Jennifer Garner Zoe Saldana like I didn't even know half those people were in this movie and they kept showing up and I was like oh it's Zoe Saldana (laughs) Like, like I kept and not in like necessarily big roles. Right. So right. it's like, like, how did you convince, you know, Zoe Saldana to come in and do this for 20 minutes? You know, exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, what did you say to Jennifer Garner? Cause like, she's, you know, she's in the movie, but not really at right. the same time. <laughs> like yeah. think you have to wait a good hour for Mark Ruffalo to show oh, yeah. up. Like, yeah. 
They just talk, they talk about him more than he's actually there. Exactly. And it was cute. It was also I enjoyed the reunion because 13 going on 30, Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo played love interest. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So it was yeah. cute to like see them like, oh, they're grown up. That is cute. Um, So did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I thought too. I thought it was a lot of fun. It had a lot of heart. Um, mm-hmm. I know some people have kind of bashed the scene where he's sitting in the the bar talking to Jennifer Garner, like the adult version of himself, is talking why, to Jennifer. Can I ask why? I did they, that didn't that went right over my head. I didn't. Well, I, mean, I, I remember the scene, but I don't see anything wrong with it. They said they felt it, it felt like it was forced. Oh. Like he's not like they said that he doesn't do emotion well. But well, I got the impression that he couldn't do emotion in that scene because then she would know who he was. Like he had to be a stranger. Exactly. Because he was trying to talk to her without revealing the fact that he was her son. You know what I mean? So you can't be like, oh, your son, he loves. I know, like you. run over. It's not. It's not like a you know a big moment where you run over. You're like, mom, it's me, and I'm I'm older, and it's me. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, in a public place, you know, like yeah. And I mean, I thought it I listened to an uh, an interview with Ryan Reynolds and he talked a lot about how that scene was really like it hit close to home because I uh, his father died recently and he's got four brothers and they all just collapsed when their father died and they all ran home to their mother like their mother had to be the glue that held the family together. So he said that he was thinking of. You know, in that scene, he was talking to his mother. Yeah, because it's not really fair. She has to grieve, too, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, I liked it. My one negative, I, I said this to you, uh, Catherine Keener. The, oh, I, the I anti-aging, right? Yeah, I don't like this de-aging thing that we're doing. It looks weird. And for someone, and I'm I'm thinking back to, like, they really started it with the Irishman. And so you have like Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. These are people who have been in the limelight for 40 years. Catherine Keener got really popular in the 90s. So I know what the younger version of her looks like. Same thing with Mark Hamill. I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm thinking of like the most egregious, um, you know, using use of de-aging. And it's like, no, just get another actor to play. We'll pick it up. It, it like try it. If it doesn't work, then just get another actor to play it. It was just I it really took me out of of what was going on. Yeah, I hear you. I was like, this is so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Plus, like, then you're just giving people more work and more of a chance, you know? I know. It's just like you could have had a younger version of Katherine Keener. Plus, there's so many people who on the Internet are like, Oh, look, Sebastian Stan could have very easily played a young Mark Hamill. And they, like, put him in a wig and his face is so close that it would have been fun. You know what I mean? Like You would have figured it out. Like, oh, Luke. Like, right, that's all yeah, you could do you is just be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there, this this is definitely possible. You can find people, you know. Yeah, and that's the, that's the other thing. I mean, I'm jumping all over the place. But I couldn't, like, The Irishman was a long movie to begin with. It was over three hours. I had mm-hmm. to watch it in pieces. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't concentrate because the de-aging was just so bad. 
Like, you're like, you're like, oh, this is horrible. You shouldn't have done the film. That's what I felt like. If Martin Scorsese is listening. (laughs) He is, obviously. He is. You just shouldn't have done it with that cast. Yeah. Like, oh, it was bad. I feel like this is kind of a trend right now. And I'm kind of looking forward to when this trend is over. You know, like, like, it's, we don't need this trend. No, we don't. And, like, did Disney improve on it when... Mark Hamill appeared in another Mandalorian. Oh, sorry. Yes. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> but but, but no. still not necessary. Exactly. Still not necessary. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's my aside. Mm-hmm. All right. So all told, I think this is worth watching. Yes. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I like time travel stuff in general. I, I You said you, you weren't super crazy about how they changed the time travel rules, but I actually liked that they changed the time travel rules because I feel like that needed an update. I am or, telling you that Back to the Future has ruined all time travel movies for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, like, invested in one type of time travel, then you're probably not going to like this one because it's definitely different. But right. I was I, okay with it. Yeah, I'm just like, no, you can't see yourself. You can't see yourself in the same timeline. It's impossible. And I have like Doc Brown in my head. But I'm like, all right, okay, fine, just stop. Like, I'm just like, just enjoy the movie. No, they yes. can interact. It's fine. It's fine. All right. So last but not least for our big three, we have um, a spiritual sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. Which was a movie that I uh, really enjoyed. It was uh, directed. Here. Yeah, Same directed here. by Kenneth Branagh, and he, Kenneth Branagh also starred in it. Um, he was Hercule Perrault, who I am not French, so that's the best I got. Um, Better than me. And uh, and then did another Agatha Christie novel, um, Death on the Nile, which is all told not as good of a novel as Murder on the Orient Express and also not as good of a movie. Do you agree? I agree, and I have to ask you because did, so did you read these a cool. long time ago. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because my sister also read it a long time ago, and I don't want to spoil anything, but she was surprised that Gal Gadot was cast in that particular role, knowing what she or recalling what she could from the book. So I'm gonna not gonna lie, I didn't remember how the book played out or ended. You know. Um, right. I, and I, I remembered Murder on the Orient Express much more. And I'm kind of thinking at this point, I don't think I, you might crucify me for this, but I don't think I like Gal Gadot because <laughs> I didn't like her in this movie. And when I when I was thinking about it, it made me realize I didn't like her in Red Notice either. And I was like, do I just not like Gal Gadot? Because I, I think she was horrible in this. I, um, I think she... So I didn't see her in anything before Wonder Woman. I know that she existed prior to Wonder Woman. I know she, she was in the fast. She existed. Yeah, she existed. Um, she didn't just appear. Um, but I know she was in like one of the Fast and the Furious movies mm-hmm. um, that I've avoided. And I also, while before we filmed, I also just as an aside, Brie Lawson is going to be in the next Fast and Furious movie. But I mean, it's just because they haven't. They don't have no one left to cast. You know it's what I true. mean? It's true. I mean, we're we're gonna be in the number thirteen because that, right. that's Both that's how us. we've low. already been cast. Yeah, we've we've already been cast. This is big breaking news because they've run out of actors in Hollywood. Yeah. Um. So seeing, I can drive cars. Oh, I can drive cars fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, seeing Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman, I'm like, oh, wow, she's good. And maybe it's also because my my level of appreciation for anything DC was so low at that point mm-hmm. as well. But I'm realizing that she is just playing a derivation of Diana in each movie. I think that's what it is. And I'm actually kind of sad because I know she was cast as Cleopatra in some Cleopatra movie. And I'm like, I I, I just want a more energetic, more vibrant Cleopatra at this point. Here's the thing. Like, Elizabeth Taylor couldn't pull off Cleopatra. Right. So who can? I exactly. Guess. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm like. I'm like, no. Like, if she could not do it, no one can. But that that was the problem. I had I had many problems with this movie. Um, and yeah, Gal Gadot was just the first problem. She was I just mean, the yeah. Okay, the like problem, the obvious problem in the room is Mr. Blacklisted himself. Yeah, Mr. I want to be a cannibal army hammer. This is this is potentially the last film we're going to see him in. I don't know how you come back from what he did. I mean, I don't been, think you should. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's I mean, without getting into the details of it, because we try to remain family friendly. But there are a lot of allegations about him yeah. involving involving sexual violence and. Yeah. There are certain things in Hollywood that are acceptable and unacceptable. And we're actually, I want to talk about that in later, later times, but I just. Yeah. In the fourth hour of yeah, this in the fourth hour and the fourth this incredibly long podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but it was very difficult to watch. And that's, that's the other part of it. Yeah. Because he, he it's a very sexual movie. And yes. it's got a lot of like touching and feeling and stuff. And a lot of it involves him. And yes. every time I just was grossed out it, 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 and it, I couldn't it, get past it, you know? No. And that's like, I didn't know how big of a role he would have because. Yeah. Because actually my husband said to me, you got to let me know if you think they downplayed his role in this, because I know no. they took him out of all the like posters. And yeah. Stuff, they took right? him out of the trailer too. There was no way to downplay his role in this. No. He was an integral front and center part of this. There was nothing you could do. You just had to kind of let it ride. And it just, it was not good. It no, was be- not good. No, because it's like that's the other thing that I liked about Murder on the Orient Express is you had such a sprawling cast. Yeah. And they were all like grade A actors. So I was like, oh, OK, so maybe Army Hammer isn't in it as much. And it's like, oh, no, he's in every single scene. Yep. Yep. And he's in every single scene with his hands all over multiple women. And you're yes. like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to throw up a little in my mouth right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was just like, for me, when I watched Murder on the Orient Express, um, I had no idea what was going to happen. And in the first five minutes of the movie, I'm like, okay, so I see what's going to happen right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They really, (laughs) they really give it away. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And like Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not that person that like, I watch more passively. So I'm like, "Mm, this isn't good. Also, my other issue, it was so long that the death occurs i feel like they the death occurs in the second hour and then they're like oh man we had to finish this up and it's so <laughs> funny you said that because when i was watching it i was yelling at my husband we're 43 minutes in and no one's died we're 52 minutes in and no one's died it's in the title yeah it's the first word and i'm just yep. like what when is it gonna happen when also 
The other thing I didn't like is there's, okay, there's multiple deaths in this. And I don't want to give it away, but right. one of the deaths I thought was real cheap. Oh, and I, I agree. I was not a fan of that because this character was actually probably the only character I really liked other than Perot. And I was really upset that they did that cheap, I'm going to get try to get some emotional feels out of you kind of a thing. I was mm-hmm. not happy. That really angered me. So there's that as well. Yeah, I was I was really upset with that because it was completely unnecessary. Exactly. I, I don't know how much anyone was really um, looking for the backstory on Perot. Perot so, you know, it's weird because th- those like first eight to ten minutes, I thought were probably the best part of the movie. But at the same time, also completely unnecessary. Right. If you're ever wondering how he got the mustache. Right. (laughs) I thought it was a cool little anecdote. Like, I was like, wow, I'm I. I, Yeah, I'm okay with this. This was that was cool. And I liked that it was all in black and white. And, you know, I thought it was very well done. But, yeah, completely not necessary, especially when you consider what happens with that at the very end of the movie. Exactly. And I'm just like, "Mm." yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. This this. This is probably my least enjoyed thing out of everything we're talking about today. And and I agree. And I'm like upset because I feel like he he had a huge cast and he didn't use them to the best of their ability. But I also don't remember enough about the source material to know how closely he followed it. You know, right. is this a problem with the book is my question. And I, I honestly I should have read a summary before we started this so I could remember that. I, I got nothing. I got zero memory. So um, it could have been that he followed it real religiously and this just wasn't one of the better books, you know? Right. But I feel uh, like on the other hand, uh, we'll, we'll get into this shortly. I mean, he's an Oscar award winning person now. He won for best adapted screenplay, I think. Um, and he there's so many Agatha Christie books that he really could have had his pick. That's true. You know, if this one wasn't working out, you know. Like, I don't know enough about, like, I know we've talked um, about Sherlock and what's in the public domain and what isn't. So I don't know if there's any issues with that. But I was just disappointed. And, you know, I really liked, and this is like a while ago, when Comedy Central used to show Absolutely Fabulous. And Absolutely Fabulous was created by Jennifer Saunders and Don French. Hilarious. They're in the film. So she played her aunt who hated money. Uh-huh. They are so funny. And they didn't get a chance to be as funny as they are. Because Don French played her, like, companion. The aunt's companion. Oh, the, the nurse. Yes, the nurse. And it's like, you just wasted two of the funniest women to ever grace the screen. Yeah, they just kind of came across as angry and bitter. Yeah, I mean, so when I saw that they were in the movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. There's your comic relief right there. Yes, yes. And then it was like, nope. Nope. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hope because there is so much source material, I hope he picks something better. I mean, is he going to uh, do a third one? Did this even do well enough to justify a third one? I don't know. I... I feel like he's Kenneth Brown and he can do whatever he wants, but that's fair, just me. Fair point, fair point. That's I mean, I felt like what happened at the end of this one, without saying too much, but like the end scene was kind of like a farewell 
you know, um, you got this impression that he was giving up the detective genre, like as a, as a character, like there was a, there was a little bit of a symbolic severing of the ties, if you will. Um, so my impression was this was it, he's not going to do anymore. And that's why he had that whole scene at the beginning and at the end. No, I could see that. I mean, basically not knowing Kenneth Branagh, like, I feel like if he wants to do one, he'll do one. And if he doesn't and he wants that to stand on its own, you know, that's how it will be. Um, and I, I did mess up. It wasn't adapted screenplay. It was original screenplay for Belfast, um, that he won. I feel like he's won other things too, though. Yeah. That that can't be his first Academy, right? Um, let me, let me double check here. I hate the way IMDb sets things up because it's always like nominated, nominated, nominated. It's like, but just tell me what he won. I know, right? Well, while you're looking at that, I will end this by saying um, that out of the three movies today, I would definitely watch The Adam Project. And if you have a young girl in your life, I would definitely show her turning red. Death on the Nile, I think you guys can all skip it. Let's yeah, just go, go, <laughs> go watch uh, Murder on the Orient Express if you hasn't, haven't, because yeah. it's far, far better. Yes, very, very good movie. Far superior. No, he has been nominated for a bunch of stuff. But Never won, his, huh? No, this is his first. So he's won for, you know, screenwriting. But he, I mean, I think we're just thinking of it because he's been, he's done so much, like from directing to acting to writing. And he came out with, um, I think, I don't know if we had to watch it or if I just watched it. He did a version of Hamlet. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I, that was yeah. the first thing. That's the reason why I asked you. I'm like, he didn't win for Hamlet because that, that was uh, epic. Yeah, no, I mean, he he was nominated, um, but he didn't, yeah, he hadn't won. Interesting. Well, I'm glad he has. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to our three questions to ponder. Now, the first question is something that I put on here, and I don't even know if you got a chance to watch this, but. No, no. The question I'm asking is, who the hell is the, can I say hell? I'm going to say hell. Who the hell is the (laughs) audience for Netflix's show, The Guardians of Justice? Now, if you've not heard of the Guardians of Justice, the best way I can explain this is it's kind of a mix between something like the Justice League, a low budget, and cocaine. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so a typical scene in these 20-minute episodes, and believe me, 20 minutes is enough. Um, A typical scene would be one of the heroes maybe talking to another hero, because this is a Justice League kind of group, Okay. saying, yes, uh, the Mecha Tyrannosaurs have invaded Turkey. I need you to fly over there and speak to the President Scholar about this issue, and then get back to me when you're done. Next scene. Hmm. (laughs) And it's like, that's the whole 20 minutes is just... Now, (laughs) it's... um, it's live action ish. It's also animated and it's claymation. Oh, uh-huh. And it's also different kinds of animation. And it's very low budget in places. And it's also not low budget in other places. And it's got some real weird not serious stuff, but the main premise is a suicide, so it's got some real serious stuff. Oh, jeez. I you I got nothing with this. This show is insane. 
And I've been like trying to get other people to watch. Like, I don't want to subject you to the whole thing. I haven't even finished it. I might. But I've watched like the first, I think, three or four of them. And um, I got no idea where it's going. I'm not going to lie. I got no clue. I don't even know that it knows where it's going. But um, I've watched like the first four. And I need somebody else to watch this and tell me what's happening. Like, is this? So the director is known for his music videos. I feel like that's such a 90s thing. It's very 90s looking. It's very 90s looking. Because remember, like, it's like, oh, they directed Beastie Boys Sabotage or like or like the Smashing Pumpkins. He did, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, And they they would transition into like making films and television shows based on it. But I'm like, are there still music videos coming out? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But when you said that, I'm just like. Oh, that just reminds me of like, oh, wow, that's like so 90s. But OK, so the reason why I have this on here is I'm 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 curious who this show is for, because if it's for people who like superheroes, my retort would be this. The superheroes are kind of inept and the only superhero who's not inept kills himself in the first episode. And oh. if you say that it's for people who like animation, my retort would be it's only about 40 percent animated and the animation is bizarre. And if you say it's for I, I, I don't know. I, I, got, I got nothing, Alin. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's just one of those things you have to see for yourself. And um, I don't know that it is enjoyable, but it is certainly compelling. <laughs> Let's go with that. Compelling. So, um, yeah, anybody out there who's intrigued by anything I've just said, please watch The Guardians of Justice and tell me what the heck is going on. I really need some help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh, my, my next goodness. question is for everyone and you, Alin. Yes. Have you seen Lost in Space yet? No, because of books. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, like, vague, whiny tone. No. <laughs> books. These books, like, because I have, I have Lost in Space that I need to watch. Um, I'm also getting very beat up on the fact that I haven't watched the second season of Bridgerton. Um, and it's been out for a while. Yeah, I'm just like, I just can't. It's just so hard. And I know there's other, I know there's other ones that I'm missing, but off the top of my head, I know I have lost in space and Bridgerton to get on. Yeah, no. And, and this message is for everybody else out there too. If you like science fiction and you haven't seen Netflix's remake of Lost in Space, shame on you. (laughs) that's it end of thing no um and we're out and we're out because you know this the show is so good it is so good and i have not found a single other person who's watched it besides me no one my friend mike watched it and oh thank god yes okay no he was he told me a couple years ago to watch it and i was like okay no you got it yeah it is so good, and it's three seasons, and it's done. And those of you who 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 I almost said a bad word who complain <gasps> who complain about Netflix not ending things and not giving things a proper ending, this has an ending, and it's a good one. And, and it it does its thing, and it's able to wrap up, and and it's lovely. It's so good, Alin. 
<laughs> you're like, I, I can't say enough about it. I can't. I just need other people to go in and watch Lost in Space in support of the fact that it is a good show with great acting, that it had multiple seasons, that it allowed it to have that third season, despite whatever numbers it had, um, that it ended well. It's just the prime example of what I feel like a Netflix show should be. You know, couple seasons, good ending, be done. Mm-hmm. And I just need other people to go in and support that. Plus, it has this woman in it named um, Molly Parker, who I feel like I've seen in everything, but you never remember her name. Like, she's <laughs> just this person. Like, if you scroll through her list of credits, it's literally like 500 credits long. Like it oh, goes, wow. I mean, it's insane how many things this woman has been in going all the way back to this show called The Outer Limits in 1995. Oh, geez. Yeah, and she was in Highlander, and she was in, um, God, she's been in so many things, Six Feet Under, Deadwood, uh, you know, she's Dexter. She's just one of those people who you see her face, and you're going to be like, this woman. Oh, she was also in House of Cards. Yes, she was in House of Cards, yep. And uh yeah, she's so good. She plays the mother in Lost in Space. Um, and then it also has Parker Posey in it, which is one Ooh, of the... I, I love Parker Posey. Right? And I love her character because she plays the Dr. Smith character. And if you've ever seen the original Lost in Space or heard of the original Lost in Space, one of the big complaints was that the one of the main antagonists, which is um, Dr. Smith, is kind of a joke in the original Lost in Space. And how they kind of dealt with this, and I thought it was the most clever way you could possibly handle it, is that in this version of Lost in Space, she's a con artist, so she's not a real doctor. Oh. Yeah, and I think that that was sort of their tongue-in-cheek way of saying, look, she is a joke, you know, like kind of a thing, because she's a con artist. So um, she does a really good job in this, too. And it's an excellent show, and it's if you like sci-fi um, the expanse and this go do it. And that's, that's what now. I, that, yes, that's what I need from all of my millions of listeners is just to go <laughs> watch lost in space. You're going to really love it. I got my dad into it and he really loved it. So Ooh, okay. I don't think he's it, but he really enjoyed it. So yeah, that's what I had. I had to get that out there alone. I know it's a PSA. Yes. Yeah. You, you are serving the public is what you're doing. Yeah. Now, I want to finish up with something. We're going to finish up with something that's been probably overly talked about at this point. Yeah. But um, And so I don't think we have to say a lot. But, um, you know, everybody's kind of been talking about the Oscars in one way or another. And, you know, I don't think we need to get into the, the whole slap thing too much because it's been. No. And yeah. I, just, they, I, feel, I feel bad because a lot of Oscar history was made that night and it And see all this got is erased. what I kind of want to get into is just like okay I didn't watch it so I'm going to I'm going to punt this to you but um in my mind the whole slap thing was such a you can't read the room you are so privileged and if you can't look around that room and say wow i am such a privileged human i don't care what anyone says about me in this room because i'm going to go home to my mansion and roll around in my money and health insurance like if you can't look around that room and say that you don't deserve it in my mind like if 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 will smith thinks his life is so miserable and horrible i will happily trade with him any day 
and I will do the movies and he can come teach the children's. So, you know, maybe not the school. Well, wouldn't I let w- him in, but, but you know, no. I was, I was going to say, and there are also repercussions if you went up and slapped someone while they were working. Right. Exactly. Um, so if you can't figure out how privileged and special you are and your life is so miserable, like the, the last word I have on it is I don't think you deserve it, but I would like you to talk about what good things happened at the Oscars and what your take on it was, because I don't think that enough people have said enough about like Coda and what, you know what I mean? Like I'd like you to have the last word on that. That's like a more positive note. So, right. Because like, as, as we're recording, um, Will Smith's been banned for the Oscars for 10 years and Oh no. I know. And now you have, because we have a society that everyone has to like express their opinion and they're able to do so behind a computer screen um people are upset because yes 10 years is a long time we're not saying that he doesn't deserve punishment but people are like well you know they it took them a while to ban harvey weinstein and they haven't banned woody allen like these are people who have i mean i'm not minimizing he did assault chris rock but then you have people who have been charged with criminal acts whose bans are not as severe Yeah, the inconsistency is very similar to the type of thing you see with punishments in the NFL. Exactly. And just like punishments um, in the criminal justice system. So without getting into that, I I didn't watch it live. I ended up watching it um, a couple days later because Hulu had it. Oh, that's kind of cool. So I was able to fast forward through a lot of stuff and just watch what I wanted to watch. And I mean, there was so much history made. You had, um, and I, I'm not like someone who gets um, tremendously emotional when I watch uh, award shows, but seeing Troy Kotzer win for CODA, um, and I hadn't really watched any other award shows, so I don't know if this was consistent throughout um, his wins, but seeing people signing for clapping like not clapping, but doing oh, yeah. the sign mm-hmm. for clapping. It just tore me up. Like, it's like this guy has been in the industry for so long and here he is getting this award. And he's just like, it, it, it was just so touching to see him. And it's, it's sad that, you know, Marley Matlin won, I want to say like 30 years ago, possibly closer to 40. And he's only the second deaf actor to win Mm. and he's the first male deaf actor uh like to to win and it was that was touching it was touching to see ariana debose win for west side story and you know it broke so many barriers because number one she's she's a she identifies as queer she's also only the the second hispanic to win Besides Rita Moreno, who won 60 years ago for the same role. Oh, that's so weird. Right? So it's like, whoa. So if you want to win an Academy Award as a Hispanic, you have to be in West Side Story. Yes. Yes. You have to play the same role in West Side Story or you're not going to get it. Um, You also had, for the first time ever, you had back-to-back female directors winning. Chloe Zhao won last year. Jane Campion won this year. And I know there's some, you know, controversy with Jane Campion uh, saying some things she shouldn't have. But it was just a wonderful night. 
they had Megan Thee Stallion up here and do a rap for uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno's first performance ever. So it was just, it was a really nice night. Um, you also had Jessica Chastain. And I actually watched The Eyes uh, of Tammy Faye. And she, she, I'm surprised she doesn't have back problems because she carried the weight of that movie with her performance. Like, that's <laughs> like, right, like, I was like, this movie, I am not tremendously invested in. But every time she's on the screen, she gave 100% to it and the makeup looked good i mean i just remember tammy faye baker just crying that's all i remember with the mascara running but she made she made her a fully fleshed human being and did such a great job with it and all of that all of that was overshadowed because of will smith and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's really it it's too bad i mean this was the first time that there's been an award show of this caliber in COVID. Everyone was in the same room together. I do have some issues. Um, I feel like I'm 90. Timothy Chalamet, put a shirt on. This is the Oscars. I thought he looks fabulous. Oh, I was like, this isn't the Grammys. Put a shirt on, young man. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing with Kirsten Stewart. She's wearing shorts. Put on some pants. It's the Oscars. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But I, I was I was upset with that. I was also upset like with the guest list. Like the Jonas Brothers do not belong at the Oscars. Okay. I, none of them were wearing masks either, right? No, none of them wore masks. Yeah, that was kind of weird for me because I I don't know. I mean, I guess I get. I, I don't. I they're they're special. Yeah, I don't know. They were they all tested? To. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. And the the other thing that I I just um completely forgot the hosts were really funny wanda sykes regina hall and amy yeah i didn't hear anything bad about that i heard all positive stuff so and that's rare usually there's some oh no this didn't work or you know yeah they had some great jokes they were like it takes three women and it's cheaper to pay three women to host than one man Um, Uh uh, yeah and then and then after the whole will smith thing happened like Amy Schumer's segment was next. So she walks out. She's like, oh, this room has a whole different vibe. Did something happen? Like, So there were a lot of good things about the Oscars, but no one's going to remember that. No one's going to yeah. remember it. And then a year from now, when the next Oscars happen and Will Smith is banned, because traditionally the best actor for the previous year presents the best actress award for the current year. So this controversy is going to get reignited a year from now because Will Smith will not be able to participate in that tradition, but he can still win and he can still Yay. go to after, he can still go to after parties. Yeah. Such a strict punishment. Yeah. It's uh, it's, I mean, it, it's obviously, it's honestly a joke. Like, yeah. Well, that being said, I hope that at least some people will remember some of the positive aspects of it. Go watch Coda. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Go I watch just... Coda and Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. And, and I just love, can I say that I love this podcast for many reasons, but I can also, it's like people are like, you didn't know Coda was good. And I'm like, go back and listen to the podcast. I know. We have like a record, right? Exactly. We have a record of all of our mistakes, but there is a record of me being right and you yes. being right. And that is yes. the most important thing. Exactly. <laughs> if that is the only thing that comes from this podcast is check the record. I said Coda 
was the best movie of the year. And the Academy agrees. Oh, so. wait, 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 what? wait, what? wait, wait, listen. Finally. That one's for you. That Thank one's for you. you. Thank yeah. you. Oh, I yeah. never thought I would get to this moment. Yep. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. All right. Well, all right. Well, that was nice. That was good. All right. So yeah. thank you, as always, for listening. And um, if you would be so kind as to follow us on social media or subscribe to the podcast, I always like to see those numbers go up. Um, but you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Google Pods, the Goo Pods. The Goo oh, Pods. Man, they really missed it with that one. That would have been a great name. <laughs> we, we can still make it happen. Yeah, Goo Pods. Um, and um, thank you, as always, for listening. Um, thank you again to our first unofficial sponsor, Alvin's Auto in Milpitas. Yes. And um, we will see you again as soon as we can, hopefully with some Moon Knights, maybe the Batman. I know we got some good Ooh, stuff coming. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, until next time, everyone, please stay safe. And thank you, as always, for listening. <laughs>